In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you because we are faith in Christ Jesus. Thank you because your word is working in our lives. Thank you, Lord, because we have come to another table of feasting today. We give you all the praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We receive from you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Amen. Therefore, we declare... God has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. Not spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. In every area, and is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. 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 Please turn to somebody beside you. Tell the person, congratulations. congratulations. Wisdom has come to you. Come turn to somebody and say, congratulations. congratulations. Understanding is your portion. Understanding is your tell the person, understanding is your portion. Is your Freedom by reason of knowledge. That is your portion in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. Now, let's open our Bibles. We are going to continue again studying the mind of Jesus to the church, the church of today. And we are taking that from the letters that he wrote to the church in those days, seven churches in Asia, that we have been looking at the words that he gave to them. And those words apply to everybody. Remember, we go through different levels of judgment in life. Please, let, let's never forget it. There are different levels of judgment. The worst judgment is what the Lord is most concerned about, that we will not be judged with the world. He said, for that reason, if we are not going to be judged with the world, we must judge ourselves. That's the way it is. If you take time, look at your life, assess your life. We have been looking at Psalm 119 in our school of prayer on Tuesdays. We have seen that what we should do as believers is to settle down and constantly compare our lives with the Word of God. Let me say that again. We are supposed to sit down constantly, doing what? Comparing our lives with the Word of God. That is a primary assignment we have. That is, something happened yesterday in your house, in my house. I will sit down and reflect. The way I reacted was that proper. Are you getting my point here? The way I prayed yesterday, we were praying, was it proper? The way I uttered words yesterday, were those words acceptable in his sight? That is what Christianity is. It's a constant reflection of how much have I conformed with God's word. My expectations, are they derived from the word of God? And when I talk about expectations now, when I make predictions about my future, sometimes people want to talk about the destiny of their children the future of their own lives. And they start telling you, we need to do this, we need to do that. And what are they talking about? Let's relocate ourselves to a stable environment, to a prosperous environment. Why? Because we don't know what will happen in Nigeria tomorrow. Are you getting my point? Anytime you hear that statement, you know the fellow is either totally a non-believer or a Christian who doesn't believe anything. Because you say, you don't know what happened in Nigeria tomorrow. Do you know what will happen in America tomorrow? 
Do you know what will happen in Canada tomorrow? Do you know what's going to happen in India tomorrow? The Bible says that the words are framed by the word of God. So that what we see now is not something we could have predicted from what happened yesterday. You know, today, I, yesterday I was thinking about it. And I had my mobile phone in my hand. I think somebody forwarded something. I have not read it yet. But it talked about, from Wikipedia, a disease called mobile phone addiction. Yeah. A disease called what? Mobile phone addiction. Now, you're not saying, what kind of disease is that? No, it has a mental disorder. All right? So as I'm thinking about it, why are people addicted to mobile phone? I ask myself, how many times a day do I look at my mobile phone? It's quite a lot. You know, I studied my Bible a lot through there. This morning we had a prayer meeting. Um, it's a worldwide prayer meeting of my brethren from different parts we pray, you know, every month. So today is another prayer meeting. And the prayer points came to us on <laughs> that device again. So my wife and I knelt down to pray this morning, and the device was in front of us. <laughs> Now, I'm talking about why people look at it so much. I read my Bible. I have a very big device, big screen, so I can use that to study. I take notes there. Of course, let's not talk about news. I read most of my news on my device. All right? Every day I check international news, and I check local news every day. Now, this is where I'm going. I just realized something. Because of that, I was not thinking about it. That the amount of communication available today, who could have predicted that 20 years ago? Believe me, nobody could have. Nobody could have. I was thinking about it. Many of the prophetic words that the Bible, you find in the book of Revelations, people didn't know, could this ever happen? Something happened, the whole world will see it at the same time. How can the whole world, would they all gather in Jerusalem? But now we know if Jesus is being crucified today, it will be live on CNN. <laughs> it will be live on BBC. It will be live on Al Jazeera. It will be live on major news networks in the world. Now, what I'm going to say is that, you see, the things happening now, you could not, there was no way to predict them just yesterday. No way. Now, you know what that means? What will happen tomorrow? You can't predict them today. You know, so many of us don't realize it. What a country like the UK has become today, religion-wise, nobody could have imagined it a hundred years ago. That you have more Muslims in UK that there are areas of UK that are pure Muslim. Tell that to John Wesley. He will have told you you were, you were possessed of an evil spirit. Today, one of, no, yesterday, at least I read in the news yesterday, it happened over the last 24, 48 hours. This, is it the Scottish Anglican Church performed the first homosexual marriage? And the bishop was so proud and the vicar was proud. When I was in secondary school, I heard the story of homosexuality from about Sodom and Gomorrah. I thought God had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and that they were buried permanently. I did not know life would be like this today. I didn't know they would even have the infantry to start pushing the things down our throats. The only set of people that have stood and said no, incidentally, are the black nations. They said, no, we refuse. If you pull away our foreign aid, take it away, we say no. Countries dependent on foreign aid said no. I was a former bishop of an Anglican church in the UK who said he no longer believes in God, doesn't believe in resurrection. And one of his problems 
One of the problems they had was the Anglican bishops from Nigeria. If I said the African bishops, because when they had a synod, a worldwide synod years ago, the African bishops stood there, at Bishop Akiola offered to conduct deliverance on them if they wanted. <laughs> yes, in London he offered, if you guys want, I will cast out these demons out of all of you. That was why Time Magazine named him amongst the top 100 most influential people of the last decade. Because that, thing, that man, he shook the Anglican world. He went to London and warned them, try this, I will cast out demons from all of you. Later on, I saw this man being interviewed on a BBC, a hard talk, and he was talking about it. How after that he removed his, uh, his castle or something hang around and threw it into the Thames. The river in London there. You know, what am I talking about this? If you told John Wesley this, Jonathan Edwards, they wouldn't believe this. That this will happen in England, they would not believe this. That people like, um, what's the man that said, give me Scotland or I die? John Knox. You tell John Knox this will happen? Those men would not believe this. But it's happening before our eyes. And I realized that God may be slow to anger, but he gets there eventually. What am I talking about? So if somebody wants to make decisions about their lives, you hear Christians talk, you know they don't believe anything. What is the problem? You see, this country, there's also strike. I said, when there's also strikes, they stop striking after a while. Who knows they have a strike? And people want to make decisions. They make decisions based on things that the Bible says clearly are temporal. They make decisions on how, I mean, the future of my children. A friend of Macari told me that there's one thing is working out. You like to key me into it. I said, what am I going to do living in America? I said, at least you will know you have settled your children. <laughs> I've settled my children. What is wrong with where they are right now? Their settlement is not a material thing. Their settlement is not physical or geographical location. No. Their settlement is I pray for them. And God establishes them. That's just the way it is. Now, what am I talking about here? As believers, we want to make decisions sometimes. People talk about the will of God, the will of God, the will of God. The will of God is not the God speak to you. I need to make that clear for Christians again. They say, I want to pray until God speaks to me. Should I tell you the truth? 98 times out of 100, it doesn't say anything to anybody. When we go to pray, what we do is that we discover what he has said in his word. The ability to know the will of God is not how keen your spirit is to spiritual communications. It's how you are keen in understanding. That is why we pray like this all the time. I am being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and what? Understanding. I like what the one man said. Let me see whether I can quickly read it out. Talking about the will of God. Ooh, okay, yes. This man says, since the Bible is a source of the known will of God, whether by direct statement or by deductions from doctrine, knowledge of his will is therefore based on an understanding of the word of God. It's a maximum perception of doctrine, techniques, and promises results in the ability to be guided by God. Did you hear that? I should read it again. He says, since the Bible, and this time around I'll paraphrase a bit. Alright? He says, the Bible is a source of the known will of God, whether we, that known will, we discover it by direct statement, 
Like God said, you must not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Okay? Or, by deductions from doctrine, what relationship has light with darkness? You can use that to discover whether I should go into partnership with an unbeliever or not in business. You can use that. The man now said that, if that is the case, knowledge of his will is based on an understanding of this written word of God. Maximum perception of doctrine, that is, scriptures, techniques, that is what you and I will call precepts. The man has some interesting words he used to use. All right, I'll be time, that's his name. And promises result in the ability to be guided by God. What am I going to say here? That is, am I discovering the will of God? It is simple. I sit down regularly and check how conformed my life is to the recorded will. The specific will is easy if that one is another. Sometimes we talk about God's will as if it's something you need to know how to tune your spirit. Some people will say, you're quieting your spirit in between heartbeats, whatever your spirit says. That in between heartbeats, it's not like a joke, right? But okay, some people do things in between heartbeats. Snipers are trained to shoot in between heartbeats. Are you aware of that? Because if the heart beats while he's firing, he'll miss his target. He's shooting to hit something. Yes, I'm not joking. He's shooting to hit something at two kilometers away. So when he aims, he aims silently. He knows when the heart has be- beaten. Then in between heartbeats, he gives a shot. Mm. So sometimes Christians think that's how we know the will of God. Whatever my spirit says, in between heartbeats. <laughs> that's not the will of God. The will of God is not that difficult. God is always eager to communicate his will. He's not making it hard for you to understand. I grew up under the influence of people telling us that when you want to know God's will, you pray, pray until your spirit is silent. Listen, even if you go to pray, you go to pray to make sure that you are aligned. Do you understand? In your thoughts, in your intentions, in your desires, in your hopes. Sometimes you want to take a job. You are saying, is this my will? Is it it God's will or is it not his will? When you are praying, what God is just trying to do is showing you what you are looking for in that job. The only thing dragging you there is money. You look at all of those things sometimes. That's why God doesn't just tell us no or yes. He says think because I want it to be conformed to a thinking process. What am I going to say? So when we're talking about judging ourselves, that's the emphasis. Judging ourselves is the way I've been relating with my wife is that if Jesus were to appear, can I defend those things? Sometimes people provoke you to anger and you react. And then you go and settle down and say, it was because of this man, the way he did. That's why I reacted like that. But that's not supposed to be the, the, uh, the, the, the thought process of a Christian. You should go and settle down and ask yourself, is that how the Lord Jesus wants me to react? One of the things I guide my life by is that if Jesus were to appear and I did something, I don't want him to be able to say, but I told... Are you getting my point? That but is what I don't want to hear. Ah, God, please, don't let me be in a place where you will bought my life. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? Why did you go there? Lord, it was because this man said this and I needed this, but I told... Do you understand? That but is what it scares me. That's holy fear. That's what I mean to fear God. I don't, I don't want to hear but. That is, he says that but when he has explained something to you ahead of time. True spirituality is that those things he has explained, you walk by them. True spirituality is not, the Lord speaks to me before I breathe. 
Sir, why are you not breathing? Why are you turning blue? I'm looking at your, uh, you know, your eyes. You're turning blue. I'm waiting for the spirit to say, breathe, my son. Say, look, you know, I'm very spiritual. Before I travel, people, people do tell me things like that. Before I travel, I always get a clearance from the spirit. I don't know the meaning of that. <laughs> there are times, yes, let's, let's, let's understand something. There are times you get such clearances. Are you getting my point? I mean, like once one of my brothers, you know, he wanted to travel and he heard, he heard that there was trouble on the road. You understand? That trouble on the road, common, I don't know this word common sense, but rational thinking, even for a Christian, means you pause. But he needed to make his journey. So he paused and continued to pause until literally he got a clearance from the Spirit. Now, let me say something to you. What I want to say will sound a bit confusing, but please follow me. Many people got that clearance from the Spirit. I know what happened to them. They died on the way. Do you know what I said? You know what God said? Who will clear Ahab's spirit that he might go to Ramos Gilead? So clearance from the spirit does not guarantee you survive the journey. I know we need to get that one clear first. Because somebody survived the journey, and you think he survived it because of clearance from the spirit, don't get that wrong. Don't make that mistake. He survived the journey simply because God was preserving his life, and God said to him, it is not yet time to die. And God says to him, you will travel, you will come back, I will deliver you from all troubles. So let's get that clear. Not as if you see, if you always get clearance from the Spirit, you won't die on the journey. Many people got full clearance from the Spirit. They didn't know there was Spirit that was waiting to kill them. You say, is it possible? Who tried to kill Moses? Was it me? I wasn't there. Were you there? Who tried to kill him? Who sent him on an errand? Go and read that story in Exodus chapter 4. This Bible can be confusing sometimes. You are not careful. So don't let think that, uh, look, you know, before I agreed to marry that man, I cleared my spirit. Rubbish. Many people have cleared their spirit of everything. Now trouble they marry. <laughs> leave that to my friend. My wife's spirit was not clear when she married me. <laughs> She's sitting down here. You can ask her. After she agreed, she said, Mugwe. Ah! She said she did not know when she opened her mouth and agreed. Please, don't, don't look, don't, don't. <laughs> you see where I'm going, all of these things. You know, some one for example, I'm very, very spiritual. My spirit was clear before I proposed to the woman. Now she gives you a show. Thank God everybody's happy. You know what they call you show? Before I proposed to her, my spirit was clear. But she said no. So you are waiting for her to change her mind. Don't worry. Let me trust, let, let me just tell you the truth. Eh? Trust me. She's not going to change her mind. Your spirit that was clear, your desire is your spirit. So your desire was clear. The guy is finally getting clearance. This is his laughter. <laughs> that is laughter. It's the Holy Spirit. Thank you. <laughs> what am I trying to say? Let's not fool ourselves with too much spirituality. True spirituality is obeying the word of God on a daily basis. True spirituality is obeying the word of God on a daily basis. So I'm talking about judging ourselves again. I'm just pulling us back again to where we began from. What are we trying to judge? Judging that we are truly spiritual. Like I said at that time, you take your bank statement. Most of us will do um, our financial transaction through the banks because they've made it easy. Mobile banking and all of that. 737 is the life of many people now. 
So it's easy to know how you spent most of the money you, that passed through your hand in the last six months. Do a small printout and look at it. Looking at each one, you can do a small fasting to check is that, will, can I defend that before the Lord Jesus? That's true spirituality. Not the spirit, did my spirit say to me before I bought that dress? And it was expensive, but I, I prayed and the Lord said, take the dress. God hardly talks to women to take a dress. Do you know why? They will take it anyway. What, 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 what does he need to say again? The only time God speaks to women about dresses is don't touch it. A woman will say, I bought a dress. How much is a dress? I will tell me the name of a designer that's very expensive these days. Tell me one. I don't know them. Huh? See, I can't even pronounce that one. <laughs> what do you call it? Balen- Balenciaga. Balenciaga. Yeah. Oh, God. See, in fact, let's just leave it there because the confusion has now come in. Pronouncing the name. Now collect a Balenciaga dress. How much is that gown? They tell you it's 120000 And then, with all the fasting and praying and sowing seed and reaping, in a month you reaped only 65000 why did you buy the dress? That dress, I was looking at it. My spirit said, pick it. Your God is able. <laughs> when you hear that from a woman, don't believe it. Tell her it's a lie. What did I say? The only thing the Holy Spirit says to women in that area is, don't touch it. Why? He knows they would if he does not talk. When did I hear Christians tell me that uh, it was because the Spirit said I should do that, I just said, my friend, Claire. In my mind, I, 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 no, I've just said declare on this office. <laughs> just smile. The truth is that true spirituality is that you are constantly obeying God. True spirituality is you are constantly mortifying the deeds of the flesh by the infusion of the word of God and prayer. That is true spirituality. True spirituality is that I always take, I mean, I review my life. How I reacted to that situation. Would Jesus have reacted like that? How did he say I should react? True spirituality is I look at my prayer points over the last one month. What have I been asking God for? We've said this again and again. The kind of things you ask in prayer, God needs to judge it. You need to judge it. You have to know whether it's pleasing to him or it's not pleasing to him. The thoughts in your mind, the words of your mouth. David said, Lord, let the thoughts of my heart, the meditations of my heart, and the words from my mouth be acceptable in your sight. So ask yourself, my words, have they been acceptable in his sight? Please listen to our series again, Habitation of God. You tell somebody I'll do something, you don't do it. It's not acceptable in God's sight. How have I been fulfilling the word of God in those areas? That is true spirituality. And that is what we do all the time as Christians in judging ourselves. Because if we don't, one day, God has to judge us. And when he does, it is not because he is angry. After now, I want to start talking about grace. I want to take grace I want to explain what the grace is properly. Because there's a lot of confusion going on around and something led to it recently. I just said, no, I just wrote some things down that when we're done with this, we'll talk about grace. Let's understand what grace is. What grace allows and what grace disallows. Grace does not mean that whatever I do is okay. Grace means I can do what is right. And if I'm not doing what is right, I'm not working in grace. Are you getting my point? Because there where sin abounds, what happened? Grace much more abounds. What that means is that when, listen, you get to an environment where the temptation is strong, things are rough around there, God pours more grace for people to resist. That's why Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
That's what Paul is trying to get people to understand. What grace that is, listen, that's why, listen, just by the way, I'll get back to what I'm going to say in a moment. That's why when you hear some temptations when people went through, you look at yourself. Could I have withstood that? Now I don't worry about such things anymore. I know grace is sufficient. If I have only one son, a promised child, that I waited for 25 years after God called me at the age of 75. The child was born. He grew up to become an adult. Now I said, go and sacrifice him. Will I do it? Now I don't worry anymore. Because when God puts you into that kind of thing, he also supplies what? Grace. He also supplies grace. My name is Azariah, Ananiah, and Mishael. They say, bow. Otherwise, we will burn you. My name, the name of the man talking is Nebuchadnezzar. So now you think about it. Could I stand for God like that? Don't worry about it. Grace is supplied when that time comes. That's why he said we draw near to the throne of what? Grace. And why? We find grace to help in the time of need. So grace helps us. That's what it does. It helps us to overcome. It helps us to surmount the challenges. You know, why I want you to do that is that, you know, I was saying something that first we judge ourselves. We just, I'm just reviewing that again. And then secondly, if we don't, God judges us, but not as in punishment because he's slow to anger. That's what I'm trying to talk about. It's in correction. It's in disciplining. Discipline is for the purpose of correction. It's not as if he's angry and he's punishing. In fact, I was reading, David said that it doesn't actually recompense us according to all our sins. He said he's slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. So he goes through stages. Number one, he gives you time. You see, we'll read that again. We read it before. We may not read it again now. We read from Revelations that he gave Jezebel time to repent. That's what he does. He gives people what? Time to repent. So that's the first thing he does. The next thing he now does, he now inflicts he does that. Sometimes we'll, we'll preach as if only the devil does that. But it's not true. If we understand the difference in the purpose of the devil and the purpose of God, we need to understand the difference in the purpose of the devil and the purpose of God. God's own is what? For the purpose of correction, that's all. So if it's for the purpose of correction, it cannot be a bad thing. Are you getting my point here? If I put a rod to the back of my children for doing something that is wrong, that is not wickedness. It's not wickedness. It is, don't do this. This is not befitting of a child of God. And that's the next stage that God goes into. Because really, he's slow to anger. Are you getting my point here? Now, I'm going to emphasize something. So, we must, let, let me just sit on it. I, you know, this is where we began from. This matter of judgment. And what the judgment is all about is simple. This is what the word says. Am I walking according to that? That is our primary purpose as believers. And that's how we're reading Psalm 119. Let me just repeat it again. Of course, during our school of prayer, we're reading Psalm 119. Go and read Psalm 119. David kept on emphasizing it to us. You know, the last meeting we had, we looked at how to react, you know, when there's conspiracy, when people are attacking, when there's trouble. Like recently, you know, all the things happening in the country, Islamic heads, men matter, um, Boko Haram bombing churches and all of that. You know what David said? <laughs> as soon as what do I do? We will meditate on the word. It sounds crazy. Christianity is a very crazy religion, in quotes. It's really crazy. It's a situation where they slap you on the right. They say, turn the left cheek. It's really crazy. 
In the situation where they said, okay, let me take your shirt. He said, no, take my jacket too. Now only shirt you want. It's crazy. Like I was saying the other day, I told now this, this, this was said deliberately this way I'm going to say it because I want it to be funny. I said, marriage is such a bad idea, only God could have invented it. The devil is not that. In his wickedness, he can't come up with something that's terrible. Because marriage is next to Trinity. Did you hear what I said? Yes, I like the way you're shaking your head. You know, your confusion, I'm solving it today. <laughs> yes, it's crazy. Don't think about it. Only God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit can be agreeing totally like that. They are used to agreeing. They think the same thing, want the same thing, do the same thing. Whatever the Father does, that's what the Son does. You understand my point? Then God now look at it. Let's create that thing in some in human beings. You're asking them to be like God. Because two cannot work together. That's working together. They are not sitting together yet. They are not sleeping together yet. They are not sharing the same bank account yet. Now just to work together, they say they can't work together unless they are agreed. You're not saying two adults to always be in agreement. So I said only God could have created something so difficult to do. That's what I meant by when I said the way I said it. It's only the one. Nobody else could have. The devil himself, he cannot think of such a thing. It's too it's much higher than his ability to reason. Because to aim to make two people to be in agreement when they are not God. No, check it now. How many of God's servants are ever in agreement with him? Tell Jonah, go here. Jonah said, I think I prefer the other side. And these are his servants. <laughs> Anointed people. Peter followed Jesus. At the end of the day, say we are going to the cross. Peter said, John, block that side. <laughs> block that side. We are not going to any cross. <laughs> they couldn't come to agreement. It's not easy. At the time, Isaiah, after prophesied, one of the best prophets in the Bible is Isaiah. The one they threw away his prophetic garments. So I'll spend my strength for nothing and vanity. Jeremiah said, I'm not doing it again. So with all of the gods, he said some two people should be in agreement all the time. Can you see the very difficult? Trust me, it's very hard. So in like Jesus said, in fact, I have another thing to let you know that what I'm saying is very true. <laughs> the day Jesus told Peter, <laughs> you know what Peter said? He got out the boys, let's go and meet Jesus. He said, we have had a meeting. We have decided that it is better not to marry. That was what they said. When Jesus said they could not divorce their wives, Peter looked and said, Lord, we believe everything you are saying, but please, are you really serious about that one? God tried to give the commandment to Israel. He couldn't hear it. The heart was so hard, Moses had to downscale the operating system. Now, <laughs> what I'm going to say is this. For it to work, therefore, it's only what? Grace. Only, only grace. Only grace. One of the, now, Apostle, why did I get into that? But let's say it anyway. You know, one of the things I find out that Christians make as mistakes, all right, is when we try to impose scriptural doctrines on people that have not believed. With which power would they obey it? Which power do you want them to use? That means you don't believe in grace. 
Because if you believed in grace, what happened the other day was my wife and I were talking in the house. There's, I think they were having a chat, something, discussing some marriage matters. So, he now said that, what do I think? I said, I think that woman should pack and leave that house. Why look at me like, what? How can you, a man of God? I said to her, are they believers? He said, no. I said, what do you want her to do? Then she got my point. I said, oh, you want to thrust the issue of Christ on people that have not believed. With which power? Don't go and start giving people counsel meant for believers. Because Jesus had to say, with man, this is not possible. With God, all things are possible. And all things are possible to the fellow that has believed and continues to believe. Are you getting what I'm going to say here? That is my wife's right Which kind of counsel? I said, ah, two unbelievers. They are drawing guns on each other. He said they should stay there. <laughs> I said, no. These are Christian doctrines. One day I saw the late Bimbo Dukai on television. Trying to explain, explain. That they are just married that time. My wife and I were watching it in Lagos. I said, baby, poor Bimbo. I saw this one she's doing. I'm just feeling sorry for her. Because the man she was debating with was making so much sense. Bimbo Dukai was looking foolish. Why? Because the things of God are foolishness. Those things, foolishness of the natural mind. And the one television was not a Christian program. And she was trying to explain. I was just feeling sorry for her. And the man was making, look, madam, what are you trying to say? Look at this situation. Look at this situation. He said, no, you know, the way God made it. I said, ah, madam. Madam. These people you are talking to, they don't know what God made. <laughs> That day I felt so bad. Because that's the power of grace. Oh, now, now get, get what I'm going to say. So anything we are doing, I just want to use as an example. So I'm coming to that my marriage matter as an example now. This is what I judge myself concerning. Have I been following this marriage according to the word of grace? I can't use the word of common sense. I can't. I can't. I can't use the word of common sense. It has to be the word of grace. Without the word of grace, it cannot work. So if I'm going to check how my life is going as a married man, I'm checking, have I been conforming with the word of grace? Because grace is the only way by which I can succeed in this matter. Are you getting my point here? Look, you want to succeed in a thing like marriage. It is too difficult, naturally speaking. Grace is something that happens, we'll talk about grace later, that grace is divine power released to produce his own results. Grace is when God's power is working in you to make something happen. Believe me, if you know the methods, you know, I, I, I've read books on marriage. This is, I hardly read them. Because there's too much sense knowledge, too much effort, human effort. I hardly do. One of the ones I find most foolish, if you want to get something from your husband, you know what you will do? You will cook for him. You will talk nicely to him. You will go to bed with him before uncle. <laughs> I don't know whether I get my point. Okay, if you don't want anything, you won't do all of these things. So why did we pay your father? <laughs> Are you getting my point? And you just gonna say, hey. and I say, what if after you've done everything, the man is still hard-hearted? So you will now go to the realm of praise. You now start worshipping God. You start praising God. Okay, when you finish praising, he still has not agreed. 
You now take a mantle and strike his picture. Witchcraft. You know, we don't know when we start this witchcrafting. Why? What we don't realize in all of these things, you have made up your mind what you want. It is called self-will. So everything you are trying to do to get what you want is called manipulation. All your cooking is witch cooking. All that cook, cooking is witchcraft. As you are kneeling down, is idol worship. I know what I'm telling you. After you are not leaning down for the money, you are kneeling down for the thing you want to collect from him. What else is idolatry? It's idolatry. No, that's why I don't. Many of those books I don't read. I don't because I said this. You don't get it. This is not. You are not releasing the word of grace. Look, it has happened in, uh, many times. I've been married for eighteen years. It has happened many times, especially in the last many years when I learned the word of grace. There are times that me and my wife did something that I'm so unhappy with. Do you understand my point? And I'm sitting down. I'm, I'm sitting down and I'm thinking. What do I do to teach this girl some lessons? You know that kind of thing. God has helped me with something. You know the first thing I say? I love my wife as Christ loves the church. How does Christ love the church? That's not the detail. I, I, the detail is not important now. I just keep repeating the scriptures. Now, does that mean I will not have steps on what to do? Not necessarily. The word works. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. The word works. That word works. The word by itself goes out to create a different atmosphere. It's not me. That's why I can't take glory for it. That I learned the keys to press so as to turn your wife into a good robot. I don't have the operating system. I don't know the OS the, and how to download which app store they download the robotic wife from. Are you getting what I'm going to say? <laughs> what to just is what? Declare the word of God. I love my wife as Christ loves the church. Do you know as a man if your wife decides to be stubborn and wicked and mean, the Bible did not give any prescription I'm aware of to solve it. Yes. So when you want to marry, don't, just pray God, don't give me Jezebel because there's nothing you can do. Jezebel enters your life, you're, you're, you have been Ahabized. There's nothing else. <laughs> Ahab is your portion. I'm telling you the truth. Because I read the Bible. I can't find something that the Lord said, this is a prescription. I've heard all kinds of methods before. Look, I, I have one man of God preached that time. He said, if I marry the devil, I will make her change. I said, Jesus married Judas. He did not change. No, don't brag on anything. What can you do? And I said, you have a good wife. It's because you know how to do it. Stop that nonsense. Don't make a fool of me. Are you telling me you don't believe in the power of grace? Let me, let me wake Jezebel up and give her for two, give her to you for two years. You will worship idols, you know, go believe yourself. I read the Bible and I found out that God didn't give any cure for a rebellious, obstinate, and disrespectful wife. There is no cure. Nobody says you will love her into submission. You know no book, yes, that's the problem. You know no book. You never jam. When you love her so much, she, you will break her defenses. You've never seen her defenses. That's why you're talking like this. And you're now accusing God of not loving the devil at the beginning. That's what you are saying. Jesus did not love Judas. That's why Jesus, Judas he went and betrayed him. God did not love the world. That's why they are disbelieving in Christ Jesus. That's what you are saying by all of these things. If you love your wife, 
you will break her defenses, she will become soft. You know what I found out? On the average, the nicer you are, the more wicked they become. Yes. You don't know what they call wickedness. I know what I'm saying. I will explain. Before you come and say, Bank said they should be wicked to women. I didn't say that. What I'm saying is that when you are too nice, you go, you, you are more, they treat you more mugushly. Is it a lie? If you have been married for up to five years, say amen. amen. What I've said, is it true or false? Aha! <laughs> I'm a man of God, I told you. <laughs> so forget that. Now, what I'm saying is that there's no method. That's what I'm going to make. So this one they are telling you that when you are extremely sweet, you break defenses. You never marry a normal woman. You marry a normal woman when you are this extremely sweet. And she has a Jezebelic spirit. That Jezebelic spirit will wake up. Ahab, kill Naboth. Make me two asteroid poles. I know what I'm telling you. You don't marry. Why are you not? You may say, yeah, I look like look the guy, look the finger. Take your time, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> now, now I'm going to explain something here. Some of those things, if you think you, you have method, you don't have methods. You don't have. That's what I'm going to say. You don't know how to do it. It's the word that works. In the same manner, when you think that uh, you will know how to do and change the man, may you not marry Satan. And that's what I'm telling you. So, like I always teach you people in that area, and what should we do? Do what is right. If being nice is nice, is right, be nice. I don't know why you get my point. Not for any result. It's the word that changes people. It's the word that builds them up. There's no method. That's why I will not preach marriage to a congregation that's not made of believers. If you invite me to come and talk to marriage matters and people are not Christians, I won't go there. Because without God, without Christ, that marriage thing is hard. That's what I started, what I started with. That's why everywhere marriage is stable, somebody has to be under. You go to this Arab Muslim world, they put the women in pudders and all of that. Because if you want to have a balanced world, what you, that is what God created without the power of Christ, what you have is what will happen in North America and Europe and even our country. Dysfunctional homes, women that don't listen, men that are wicked. That's what you will have if you try to create a marriage. A marriage without the power of Christ. It's unsustainable. The best nation on the earth at that time was Israel. Because they had the law of God. Even then, God had to put an escape valve. Divorce before he kill somebody. And Jesus said it was because of the hardness of their heart. Look, this is a matter of fact. The only way the marriage thing can work is by the power of grace. That's why I say all this method, method, there's nothing. If you know what is right to do, what is, do what is right. Do what is right. That's why I like this one cartoon. It's, I've seen it in different forms. You know, they showed what they call true love. That is, they showed one elderly man and his elderly wife. Obviously, they were angry with each other. They were sitting on the park bench. One faced this direction, the other faced this direction. I'm sure you've seen it. And it was raining. And the man took an umbrella and covered the woman he's not talking to. Are you getting my point? Rain was beating him. You could see the picture was, I'm not talking to you. But he took an umbrella and covered her. That's love. Is it so that she can talk to him? No. He doesn't want to talk to her. But the right thing to do is what? Cover your wife. We don't do it because of reason. If you do that, your wife will not become submissive. That's why I said everything that I said so far. No. You do what you are supposed to do. 
You invoke the power of grace. That's why I started with, if my wife does something I'm not happy with, how do I react? First, I, 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 I say it to myself. She doesn't even know I say that. I won't say in her presence. As I'm plotting, 